0: Hello and welcome to Darnell Response, a discussion with focus on the everyday stories that connect us all. My name is Darnell Christie and today, languages. Are they really worth learning or can we put this one on the back burner? Find out as Darnell responds. Today is the first episode of a series that will highlight current societal discussion and experiences from both the UK and beyond. Now if you're tuning in, you're in for a treat. We have some special guests joining us later to help with our discussion. And so with that, on to our focus, languages. Languages now today is international mother language day which was started by the united nations in 1999 it's a celebration to promote linguistic and cultural diversity as well as the preservation and protection of all languages now if you know me you know i'm a lover of language and of cultures i speak spanish and Currently, I'm studying a bit of French and and I'm honestly quite enjoying it. Admittedly, though, there has been a large debate somewhat surrounding languages and whether it's worth learning them. I suppose specifically more so for English speakers. Now, a few weeks ago, I was reading an article in The Guardian and the headline stated that according to a report by the Higher Education Policy Institute, or HEPI for short, Just 32% of young people in the UK can read or write in more than one language. That compared to 79% in France and 90% in Germany. Now, for me, that's bizarre. I mean, especially when the UK is such a diverse country. But what's the reason for it? And should our schools be doing more to promote linguistic and cultural diversity?
1: So Spanish was one of the first sort of subjects I ever fell in love with. Um, it was a really powerful experience. I remember I was um, 15. We went on the school trip to Seville, and I just within the first day, I just thought this is the language I want to learn. I am going to do as much as I can to learn this language.
0: Francesca Denley is an experienced linguist and ex-interpreter and language teacher. She has worked around the world and speaks six languages, and I've had the honour of being taught by her. Hi Francesca, how are you doing?
1: Hello Donil, I'm fine thank you, how are you?
0: Really, really well, it's so nice to hear from you again lovely to hear from you too um the first thing that we're kind of going to talk about is about this sort of perception of languages and especially in the uk with you know post-brexit and everything Mm -hmm. i think it's really interesting to kind of look at how people's relationship is to to languages um So in your time as a linguist, I'm I'm sure you've seen various changes in the uptake of people wanting to pursue language learning, um, especially with the increasing amount of globalisation and cultural exposure that we have from around the world nowadays. But what do you think is the perception of learning a language today in general?
1: Um, I think that... This really depends uh, on lots of different factors, but I would say that from my experience as an interpreter working uh, for clients in all different sectors and different age groups, Uh, one thing that I've noticed is a general trend of adults who often um, say they regret not having uh, learned a language when they were younger or having had potentially a bit of a negative experience when they were learning languages and therefore wanting to in their adulthood. Uh, So I think, as you said, with globalisation, there is a real appetite for learning languages. Um, Having said that, in my experience as a languages teacher in a secondary school, um, I would say that... When the students are younger, maybe they might not be quite as enthusiastic. I think there's still quite a barrier there, um, or an attitude around learning a foreign language. Uh, I think there's still quite a few people who don't really see the point of learning a uh, language, potentially because they they feel that you know everyone else speaks English.
0: But that's really interesting you mentioned that point because I was reading an article on the BBC last year showing rates of language uptake at GCC, um, and it showed that it decreased by about 45% over the past 20 years. Um, and as you know, even from our own old A-level Spanish classes, there were only four of us that attended to start with and there seems to be a sort of perception that languages are too hard and in some cases in Britain people have actually described languages as useless. Mm. Um, how do you think this attitude affects the education system in the UK? Um,
1: I think it's had uh, sort of this downward trend has had a, a real impact on, on the way languages are perceived. Um, I would say that since uh, languages were not uh, made compulsory I think it was as of 2014 if I'm not mistaken mm. um, there's been an even further increase well or sort of decrease rather in the uptake of languages um, I think I can understand the the, the perception that languages are hard um, mm. and that's because the qualifications themselves GCSEs and A-levels uh, it is true, and um, I think I would be doing uh, disjust um, disservice rather yeah. uh, by 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 saying that they they weren't hard because I think that they are, and I think they're perceived to be quite academic and potentially elitist, and I think that lies potentially with also the the, the design of their qualifications, the exams themselves that they're taking. Yeah, um, and I
0: mean I find that myself some at some point <laughs> even studying, like. Yeah, it was, it was re- really challenging, I think, and the, the marking schemes and things were just very, very stringent.
1: Yeah, it's drawing <laughs> on so many skills going sort of, I think, beyond linguistic skills, which yeah. I think can be quite off-putting. And uh, I think it's also, if you... If, I, I guess it does sort of relate back to what you feel the purpose of education is and what the, you feel the purpose of your qualifications are. But if you see that it's incredibly difficult to get the very, very top marks in a certain subject and that's what you want, rather than thinking about the experience of the study itself then Mm -hmm. i can understand why it would be perceived like that and um i think that's having an impact if over the past 20 years we're seeing that there's uh, a decrease that's going to have an impact on the amount of people who are trained up enough who are linguists in themselves who are in a position to teach languages and therefore that also has an impact on how many languages are available within schools and i think there's Mm -hmm. been um Sort of trends in, in certain languages becoming less popular. Um, I think French and German are the two, uh, uh, rather than Spanish. Um, that's from from what I've I've uh, read most recently. Um, but I think it that also relates to the the, the 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 supply of teachers that you have teaching those languages. Um, oh, I right. think as I was a, a languages teacher there. They're few and far between uh, in 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 general. If you compare it to other subjects, which I don't yeah. think helps. But I do. I as I said, I, I mean, I've come across this attitude of, well, everyone else speaks English, so why should I bother? Um, and I think it's it's an argument which is. If it's, it's present in all areas of society and therefore it's not just that we can challenge it in a school. Uh, for example, if you have parents who are saying that, then you can quite understand why the ch- children might also think that. Uh, of course, of course. So it's, it, I think if we compare it to other countries as well, if we're thinking about openness to other languages, um, one example i, I Sort of often cite is Scandinavian uh, country. So, for example, Sweden. Um, they have TV programs. They are in original language, and that we're coming around to that. You know, I'm seeing that on Netflix. So, there are definitely programs which are in different languages, and that's really great to see. But um, I think those are the sorts of things which which might help uh, sort of uh, reverse or combat that that general attitude of English being seen as the language which everyone else speaks. I mean, it's true, English is spoken in in many, many sectors, at many levels, but it's not the case that everyone speaks English. Yeah, of course.
0: And I think that understanding as well for, you know, anglophone speakers needs to be there because... I think, yeah, it's sort of been used as almost like a, a scapegoat every time that oh, everyone speaks English, I don't, I, I don't need to bother, and I think it's just kind of a bit of laziness, really, and 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 quite a shame because it does kind of stop you from, you know, getting to know people on in in a different way, if if you know what I mean, and Absolutely. kind of getting to really understand them and and their culture and the way that they sort of, you know, operate, because I think. I don't know, just in my experience, it might not be for everyone, but when you sort of learn a language, you kind of, there's a whole, not a different personality, but a different part of yourself that has kind of understanding of different nuances, for example, in language and, you know, jokes and cultural things that you sort of understand a little bit better having had the exposure.
1: I couldn't agree more, Darnell. Absolutely. that That is, I mean, that is why I've I've, love languages for exactly the same reasons you've just uh, stated um and i tried to and i was teaching also uh portray that and communicate that to to the to the to the students as well of course of course yeah
0: um so going back to sort of a little bit back about the perhaps the elitism and teaching languages in school um, I was looking at Teresa Tinsley, uh, the author of the British Council's 2019 Language Trend Report, said that she fears if languages become the preserve of the better off or privately educated teenagers, those from less privileged backgrounds will um, be even further behind. Mm. She says, quote, If they haven't got a language, that is closing off opportunities for work and the chance to experience a different culture. Francesca, is there some elitist bias here, especially having worked in a state school? Do you think it's difficult for people who come from disadvantaged backgrounds to have aspirations in linguistic careers um, as opposed to more popular STEM-related occupations like in science or technology, for example?
1: Um, I... I would say oh, it's a bit complicated, but I would say yes and no at the same time. So, firstly, the reasons for for yes. I, I do think that um, the the content of the 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 way we learn language, not the way, rather the content that that is involved in learning a language for at GCSE level, um, in in particular, I think is based a lot about talking about your own experiences and being able to communicate messages. But having said that, there are some parts of the GCSE, for example, which say, talk about the most recent uh, winter holiday that you had. And there are these role play tasks. And I think that a lot of the content involved in actually, you know, taking the languages at that level is referring or making massive assumptions about the the context and the experience of the the, the, the students who are studying wow. that qualification so if you have you know economically disadvantaged students who may not have been able to go on a holiday or a skiing holiday in France or who may not have been abroad then essentially what you're asking them to do is something which is completely unrelated to their own experience and I think that's alienating and I think that can be seen as elitist so if you are a 13 year old who's never been abroad and you're studying a role play card and you have to talk about how you went skiing with your family I don't think that that's helping necessarily see the relevance of the language to your own experience so I think there is a problem there which I know that that is being addressed in the, the relatively new GCSE that came out a couple of years ago, has tried to um, sort of look at that in in more detail. But I do think that that is one reason why I think it could um, risk being uh, seen as as elitist. Another reason, I think, is also because in certain schools, so for example, in in the school where I taught, we had uh, a lot of pupils who um, had also Potentially special educational needs when it came to literacy. Um, And there is an argument which is saying, well, you know, students who aren't really uh, confident in literacy in English, what are they doing studying languages? You know, their time is better spent focused on English. I think my argument would be that doing that is also closing off opportunities to students um, because I think by learning a language, a, a foreign language such as French and Spanish, which has cl- has links still to English. I think you learn about your own language as well. You learn about the structure of your language. You know, you sort of come to realise why you say certain things the way you do. And you make comparisons um, and you see the similarities and differences. And then you start thinking, wow, how, how is it that we have that same saying? Or how yeah. strange that that saying is totally different. And so it gives you this awareness, not just of the language you're learning, but th- your own. So I think that exactly. by depriving, yeah. By by depriving people of that, I think it's, it's just, um, I, I, I personally don't, don't agree with that policy.
0: I, I can't agree further, honestly. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so true. Um, before we kind of end, I wanted to ask about sort of the elephant in the room.
1: Brexit. 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 Brexit.
0: Leave the European Union. What do you think it means for the UK to have greater cultural and linguistic understanding in a post-Brexit era?
1: yeah so um i mean it does remain to be seen what's going to be the impact uh i am genuinely concerned about uh the ability that young people are going to be having in accessing the the mm-hmm. sort of experiences maybe that that i was able to access and potentially that you also darnell were able to um, yeah. but i think one scheme that that i've always um felt was so important was the um the the erasmus scheme Mm, and i think mm. it's it's those sorts of things where depending on how negotiations go what the outcomes are going to be we, we do risk uh, I think making it harder for, for people to to access those sorts of experiences, which I think will only just perpetuate that potential insular perspective of that yeah. I speak English, everyone else needs to because they do anyway, so why do I bother? Um, yeah. it's 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 something that I, I hope won't happen, but I think it's something that we'd have to be, be aware of. And and also just speaking to, to fellow former Colleagues uh, who come from, you know, France and Spain, uh, and then saying things like, "Well, you know, I'm going to move back." (laughs) What is the impact, even just on the amount of teachers there are to teach languages or language Uh assistants? These are sorts of things which I think it's a logistical impact as well, not just the cultural or sort of effect on our attitude as 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 a country.
0: So, on that note, I guess the big question: Should languages be made compulsory in schools?
1: So for me, um, my personal opinion is that they should be uh, just because it's going back to what we were saying. Really, by by not making them compulsory, um, we we do risk certain students who uh, potentially at home have support in 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 terms of, of seeing languages as something that's already positive, or they have contacts uh, who have already told them how important languages are, and therefore we're. The people who don't take up those languages, I think we're um, depriving them of the opportunity to gain sort of ling- not just linguistic but that cultural understanding of, of mm-hmm, other yeah. other cultures, other traditions. Um, and I think it just it just broadens your 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 view of the world. And I think everyone deserves that, irrespective of how you know good you are at English literacy or uh, how uh, socially and economically advantaged or disadvantaged you are, I feel that this should be an opportunity open for all.
0: On a personal level, you've done a lot of travelling yourself and your background was in Spanish as well. So you've travelled to South America. Um, Could you tell me kind of
1: the impact that language had on you during that time? Moving to to Latin America, this is where I saw Mm. the difference in in sort of the power of language, because you can learn languages in in the classroom setting. You can even Mm. use it sort of in in a professional context, but there's a very different experience when you have to communicate in that language day in, day out, and that's when I realised how rich Spanish was. Um, You see the, the variety of accents. And the, the use of different words and expressions depending on where you are, um, not just even within like a country, but within a, a city, uh, mm. it's incredible. And I think that's when I realised that being able to communicate and understand all those nuances, all those sort of idiomatic expressions, the way they are used or sort of evolving, is just incredible um, and so yeah. interesting.
0: Thank you so much, Francesca. It was a real pleasure speaking to you again.
1: My pleasure, Darnell. Thank you very much for for having me on on your podcast. It's really exciting and I'm so glad that there is a space for for people to be talking uh, about languages.
0: That was Francesca Denley, a linguist, ex-interpreter and mild teacher. It was so nice speaking with her again. Now, you've heard about what languages can do, but what about how to learn them? Joining me all the way from Japan is my friend, John Lee Videnna. Hey man, how's it going? Hi man, I'm alright, I'm good, thank you. How is um everything going in Japan? I know you've been there for some time now.
2: Yeah, so I'm currently doing my year abroad. I'm here in Japan for a year, so I've done six months of it now so i'm halfway through
0: i can't believe it's been six months already yeah um time flies back yeah
2: but yeah always um look for opportunities um throughout the year to like just travel or go out with friends or just be immersed in the culture do
0: you know on that note it's really interesting because as you know we've been discussing a little bit about language learning Mm -hmm. and earlier on we spoke to francesca denley which is um our old, our old teacher yeah and um she was talking a little bit about how the education system is in the UK and things like that but what I was really interested to get your insight on is obviously you're living in a foreign country right now you're having to adapt and learn the language so to the listeners sort of wanting to start out on their language journey what do you think the first thing to consider is
2: so I think the first thing that um, anyone who wants to learn a, la- a new language is you need to have passion for it because if you don't have the de- determination to learn another language, then it's pretty hard for you. When I was learning uh, French in high school, like it, it, it was a great um, thing to learn another language, but. Uh, in order to fully immerse yourself and actually consolidate your knowledge of languages you need to have the passion to uh, drive for it and yeah I think also another factor would be just basically being in the culture so for example here in Japan like it's easier for me to learn the language because there's not a single moment where I do not practice Japanese like even yeah even if I don't talk to anyone it, I, if it, even if i just like look around even just reading the signs um listening to the information the tannoy so yeah you just keep seeing listening and reading everything so it, it does um consolidate. Um, what you do learn okay so what
0: about the type of tools that you use for practice then obviously it's good to have the opportunity to travel abroad and get the full immersion but for those who are perhaps learning a language from home what sort of things do you think you could offer them or how did you get around practicing the language
2: yeah so uh i I do have um, japanese lessons um corresponding to my level um another great uh, tool actually is um watching dramas or listening to songs um in that language um i listen to a lot of um j-pop and i love j-pop they have they they remind me of a rock um a rock vibe so i really um love that and so when i started learning japanese in like classes and stuff like that Um, I started actually understanding these um, songs that I keep hearing so much so that I actually start remembering the words, but not necessarily understanding the meaning. And that's also one thing that you'll encounter when you're learning a language is that you you need to familiarize yourself until you start learning what they mean and I think it's quite rewarding
0: yeah all these small things I think have an impact like I remember when I started to learn Spanish for example the thing that I used to do a lot was just mimic people yes like I'd watch the same episodes again and again and like I wouldn't necessarily know exactly what they're saying or if I'm listening to a song I wouldn't know the meaning mm. but for some some weird way it sort of sinks into your mind and i think when you get the context around that as well you kind of kind of infer meaning and you totally you know make your way i think one misconception about languages is that it's like us it's so formulaic like you need to know all the words you need to know all the vocab but actually a lot of the time I think you could just know about maybe 50 to 60% of the words mm. and the rest you make up. So I think that's another thing to consider.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, on, on that note as well, like I I do have to give a warning to those who are just learning, um, who, who are trying to learn a new language. Like, please, when you're, when you're just beginning, don't use Google Translate. It's not <laughs> yeah. that accurate. I would only, it's getting better. <laughs> it is getting better. I have to give that credit. But, um, I think, in my experience um the only time or the time that starts um that google translate starts to actually become really useful is when you have like a basic of grammar yeah. or understanding of the language yeah definitely. and then you use it more of a dictionary or like just checking your spellings or um tenses mm. so so like definitely for me like for example i can i can I'm hesitant to say this, but I can pretty much hold up um, a very basic conversation Um, if I don't know um, the language, uh, if I don't know the word for this certain um, thing that I'm trying to express. Fortunately enough, both um, Japanese and Korean, they have a lot of English borrowed words, Mm. so... For example, your first try, if you don't know the word in Japanese, should be just having a Japanese accent on the English word.
0: (laughs) Sometimes it works. You know what? It's true. I've actually been doing that, finding a Spanish word and saying it in a French accent. (laughs) And I guarantee you about 70% of the time it
2: works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really mind boggling. It's true,
0: actually. But another thing I want to just touch on about the tools is that there are actually so many available applications and different programs to use remotely as well one of the apps that i really like to use is called HelloTalk mm-hmm. and tandem and it's basically like a language learning app it's, mm. it's kind of more like a social network in a way because they've upgraded quite a lot mm. and um they have like a whole feed where you can post videos and photos. People can can correct your mistakes, and you basically just have a language exchange. And you can talk on the phone, and it's really really interactive. Mm. Have you used Hello Talk or any other apps that you find it useful?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, even during my time learning French, I was I was using Hello Talk. Currently, I'm using Memorize, which um, it, it's an app that. Basically, um, tries to practice both your listening, your reading. I think memorize is quite a good tool because it practices all the, um, all sort of um, listening, reading, and writing. Not necessarily speaking because it's hard to um, correct that for an app. But I think it's quite useful in terms of like getting your vocab down and knowing enough worker to hold up a conversation um obviously there are limitations to it for example it's not specific i i well personally it's not specific enough in teaching you the grammar but other than that i think it's quite good
0: i do have to say mm. i have been starting a french course on memorized mm-hmm. and they've actually been doing grammar now um it's still quite basic mm. but they are actually growing in that sense and they use native speakers so you can practice repeating things yourself as well.
2: Yes. That that I think is very um, it is one of the unique um, features of Memrise that mm. they actually have native speakers actually saying it, um, which is qu- I think is quite rare for uh, a learning language app. Yeah, definitely. Although you do have um, Hello Talk and Hello Talk, I think is quite nice because you actually interact with people, so they can give you the actual social context of some words because. As we know, in some languages, uh, well, if not or in, in all languages, there are some ways that you wouldn't say a certain thing. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, so I think HelloTalk gives you that um, context uh, knowledge and also it helps you to make friends and uh, to also um, teach you um, because I, I, I do think they had the feature where you can actually hire a tutor. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I think that's quite novel, but it's also quite useful.
0: Yeah, another website that does that is um one called italki. That one mm-hmm. is a paid service, but I think you only pay depending on the teacher. They're different rates. And you can book in a lesson for about half an hour or an hour. You practice a specific element of the language that you want to practice, so grammar or pronunciation or whatever, and um and then you just go from there and it's relatively cheap and I've heard some good reviews. I've never used it myself, but I've had a couple of friends who have and said it's quite useful mm, as well.
2: In that sense as well. Like you know, it's um it depends on the language as well, but um I think it will be really useful to actually get someone to teach you the language, um, if possible. Obviously like not every language or not everyone has the financial means to do so but if you do find a way then please use it by all means
0: yeah another quick disclaimer before we move on i know a lot of people as soon as they hear language the first thing they think is duolingo now um i have my own thing about duolingo like i don't i know in the language learning community some people like it some people hate it i actually am someone who likes it but to a degree like it is a very useful app for the basics and it's great for grammar and things like that But I would say that after a point, I think you're better off just going out and trying to practice the language because sometimes the sentences and things are just ridiculous. Like, I think I got one as like, the cow eats the bear on an ice cream or something like that. It was just ridiculous. (laughs) You get strange sentences like that, that aren't actually... You, you can't really utilise them in a real context. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've actually improved that a little bit since the last time I was on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
2: Maybe it's trying to like teach you how to create um like the grammatical sentence because I think I... um refle- <clears throat> Sorry. Reflecting on my experience when I was trying to learn kanji, um I, I have sets to learn. So I always try to put them into a whole sentence together, which doesn't always make sense. But I, I see where they're going. But I think also as well, another... Disclaimer, like, I don't think any single one of these apps alone could help you learn a language. You need to be able to use different tools. Exactly. Which does sound like quite a bit a chore, but you have to dedicate yourself and have, again, the passion to learn um, this new language that you're pursuing.
0: Yeah. And on that note, I think it is about practice. And consistency and the quality Mm. of that practice, actually. Mm -hmm. I think people have uh, this idea in their mind that they need to be practicing so much every single day, many hours. And really, that's just not true. I mean, you have your own way of doing things. Some people like to study for hours to get it ingrained with their mind. But for me, for example, I just use maybe a couple, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes of my memorize, get my vocab. Then I might schedule it in a language call and then do a couple of review sessions on, I don't know, pronunciation or something. Mm. I think it's quite, you know, flexible. It's just something that you need to be consistent in rather than trying to f- fit in as much as possible. Because, you know, realistically, we are, we do have our own lives as well to, you know, live so that you can't can't dedicate your to languages, but it's just about trying to incorporate as much of it into your, your daily life as possible, I suppose.
2: I totally agree. And um, I think with that as well, something that can help you to make it consistent and um, someone to help you practice is actually to have a friend, um, who keeps you accountable and practice with you like you know take someone um for your uh language journey and hopefully you both learn a new language together
0: definitely and i think as well it's about making making it fun you know yes. and avoid putting too much pressure on yourself just take baby steps as they say mm. and just go bit by bit i think <laughs> one of the things that i like to do um Quite, quite embarrassing, a bit. But when I practice language, I just uh, get my phone and I'm walking out on the street, and I just pretend I'm having a conversation to someone, <laughs> and no one knows I'm talking to myself. But until my the phone rings, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's it's great. It's really great. There's so many interactive ways that you can actually practice every day, in you know, in your daily life, yes. that you can just in those spare minutes that you have in your day, you can just fit them in. Mm. On that note, thank you so much, John Lee, for joining us.
2: Thank you very much for inviting me. Not
0: at all, not at all. It's always a pleasure to have you. Remember, you can also keep up to date with what John Lee's doing at Internet Lee on Instagram and also have a look at his YouTube channel. He's got some really interesting content there as well. I hope those tips were useful and of course, we encourage any of you who have a dream of learning a language to really go for it. Give it a shot. After all... It's not as hard as it seems. That's all for now. My thanks to Francesca Denley and John Lee Videnna for their insight and contribution. If you enjoyed that episode, remember to rate, share and subscribe too. You can also follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at Darnell underscore Christie to find more content. And of course, don't be afraid to give your suggestions on what you would like discussed next on Darnell Responds. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back in the next two weeks. Until then, have a phenomenal time. See you soon.